0: In her Irish Times column last week, Una Mullally didn't hold back. She described Dublin city centre as dirty, smelly, and because there hasn't been any rain, even filthier than usual.
1: Dublin is a bit dirty, quite dirty. The state of the streets of the city, of the grime level, with loads of rubbish and all that kind of stuff. You know, you you get off the bus or whatever, the smell hits you and you go, oh my God.
0: When it comes to keeping the capital clean, the buck stops with Dublin City Council. Having attended many council meetings, Irish Times Dublin editor Olivia Kelly frequently hears how the weather has a role to play in maintaining clean streets.
2: The council does themselves no favours. They'll list out a lot of work that they're doing and then they'll give out about how the weather is presenting challenges. They do blame the weather. It also
0: appears that the council is not keeping the entire city clean. So if the council isn't doing it, who is? This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, why can't we keep Dublin city clean? Una, in your Irish Times column, you called Dublin uh, dirty and smelly. You weren't holding back. And the column was very much informed by your personal experience of the city. Can you just talk me through that? Why, like, how did you reach this, this conclusion?
1: Well, I think that anybody who lives in a city doesn't expect it to be pristine. Uh, you expect it to be a lived in place. But I was just kind of noticing increasingly um, more rubbish uh, piling up, an awful lot of littering um, and the hot weather, kind of the lack of rain causing the kind of build up of like gross, sticky grime on the streets. Uh, the smells then being... Um, amplified uh, if a smell can be that uh, because of the hot weather which then kind of makes you realise oh this place isn't being washed down and then what was really irritating is that I got two punctures in a row on my bike from the smash glass which just kind of completely covers a lot of um, bike lanes obviously they're close to the footpath footpath is close in front of hospitality businesses people are out drinking blah 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 and so you get this kind of especially on a Monday uh, this um, Haze of, of glistening glass all over the streets. A couple of readers have got in touch with me as well about being really frustrated by the state of rubbish in the city and I was kind of going back and forth with with one of those and, and I said, look, maybe, you know, there is kind of something to be written about this even though it does feel like a bit of a repetitive um, point of view. Dublin is a bit dirty, quite dirty but then when you start digging into it you're like, oh wow, actually the strategies and structures that actually exists to not make this the case are quite
0: convoluted. It wasn't just your personal experience. You you did, as you say, dig into the figures and dig into what's actually happening specifically at council level. And one thing, though, in your column, and you've just mentioned about it, it, it hasn't rained. We're going through this little mini heatwave now. And you sort of suggested, I don't know where you've been a bit tongue in cheek, maybe that the council relies on rain, you know, but but in fairness, you know, the council does Power wash the streets, doesn't it? Or does it? They power wash
1: major streets. Um, so Grafton Street, O'Connell Street, Henry Street. Um, a lot of the power washing of the smaller streets is done by Dublin Town. Dublin Town is the entity that is the Dublin Business Improvement um, Organisation. They also get rates off businesses, much less than the businesses give to the council. And they basically have three two person teams and two vans. And uh, two of those teams work during the week and the other works uh, comes on stream at weekends. And because of the state of the streets of the city of the grime level, they've switched 80 percent of their uh, scheduled work to power washing. So they do all of the uh, kind of smaller streets. Um, And the council does the bigger ones. A lot of that has to do with actually the water tank capacity of the machines that they have. Um, So they can't, uh, Dublin town itself can't do um, the bigger streets. But again, those are contract workers. So they actually work for Aramark. So then Dublin City Council does the kind of street sweeping, uh, public bin collecting, the some power washing of the larger streets and then they also engage with PMAC which is another company and that some of those people are contracted to clean gum graffiti all that kind of stuff. Okay so
0: I mean I'm getting the impression there now that there's there's a lot of cleaning going on I mean that is that would be my impression. Olivia Kelly let's talk about budgets what is Dublin City Council's annual budget and how much of that is spent on cleaning the city?
2: So yeah, it's a substantial amount of money. We're talking a one billion budget, but you know, for this year, it's just coming up on fifty six million that they're that they're spending on the waste management. A million a week, Uh, yeah, and and that's that's up five million on last year. It's a lot of money, and I'd say a lot of people would say that they can't see where that's being spent. And you know what Una says about the, and you said yourself about the, them blaming the weather. They they do blame the weather. The council does themselves no favors. Like they'll list out a lot of you know work that they're doing, and then they'll give out about how the weather is presenting challenges. But I wonder how many people would say it's clean three hundred and sixty-five days, or the whatever the three hundred and forty days that it's not mm. summertime. You know, like that that sort of window of good weather isn't isn't very great for for everything to seem like it's collapsing. But I think when Una talks about the cycle lanes and the glass in the cycle lanes, that I think is even, that's that's a worse crime than the, the grime of the streets. Mm. Now, litter is one thing. L- litter, you pick it up, you get rid of it. The grime of the streets can be hard to deal with sometimes. And, you know, again, the council sometimes does it no, itself no favour with the sort of surfaces it uses. But in relation to the glass and the cycle lanes, the council is, put in all these new cycle lanes particularly during the pandemic now, some are difficult to access i'm thinking maybe the ones there on the keys i don't know Una, if you use them yourself um opposite the um opposite the four courts yes there. absolutely yeah. so where they've they've put in nice planters but it's sort of it either hides or it makes that cycle lane difficult to access there and that as Una was saying it's not opposite directly opposite any hospitality businesses but for some reason it still managed to have broken mm. And glass in it, but yeah, this sort of putting in cycle lanes and not maintaining them, I think, is, is one place where the council really falls down. But just then, yes, in relation to the general dirt and grime, it, it has a substantial staff, it is you know 500 people who are specifically dedicated either to street sweeping or emptying bins. But again, as, as Una said at the start, the focus is on the big. Uh, primary footfall streets, either the pedestrian streets like Grafton Street, Henry Street and now Capel Street or traffic free, we might call it rather mm. than pedestrian. And then places like O'Connell Street. I'm trying to get them in Goodnick. If you just wander very slightly off those streets, you're you're, you're going to you're going to hit a lot of rubbish, either fly tipping Overflowing bins or just general mank mm. crap on the ground. And I sort of unfortunately mean that quite
0: literally. So you're talking budgets there. Do we have any idea how Dublin's cleaning budget compares with another city of comparable size? It's
1: very difficult to get a like for like. But yes. Somewhere like Manchester, which people often compare it to Dublin in terms mm. of size, population, all that kind of stuff. So they spend 65.5 million on street cleaning and waste collection. Obviously, Dublin City Council divested itself of waste collection, and there are uh, five to six uh, private waste collection companies operating in the city. Um, so their overall budget is smaller, though. So p- compared to DCC, to uh, Dublin City Council, but Manchester budget is about 800 million. Uh, Dublin City Council's now 1.2 billion, mm, I think. Yeah. So proportionally, Manchester is spending around 8% on cleaning and waste. Dublin City Council spending 4.5. But again, that waste collection bit mm. is kind of missing. And th- and this is where a lot of the of the litter, the physical litter in the city, is not necessarily people throwing stuff on the ground. It's actually from a a good bit of it is from uh, commercial waste that is not being picked up or is being torn apart by seagulls. Well, if I was in the council (laughs) and wanted to... (laughs) You were a queen for the day. Do something like that. Like, the private waste collectors should be responsible for cleaning up that rubbish.
0: Mm. And they're not. I mean, I wonder, is it only in my sort of made up memory that I seem to remember that when we had bin men, council binmen that's what they were called, council, before they became sanitary workers or whatever, like the bin men, there was always a fella on the truck with a brush who went along afterwards. Yeah. As soon as the bins were were lifted, he well, went the, along. The
2: private companies have a policy and I, I saw it myself very starkly the other night after the council meeting where the council came out and defended its its it's record here on, on street cleaning. So uh, the... Uh, bin companies, the private bin companies, if their bags have been torn at all by vermin or by seagulls, mm. they won't pick them up. They so won't what happens pick up the then? bag. Well, then it has to wait for the council staff, or if it's Dublin Town looking after that particular street, to come along and take. That seems them.
0: extremely unfair, yeah, so doesn't
2: it? It does. I was leaving the council meeting at nine thirty the other night, and I was going up Cable Street, and the state of it, like so, all the. All the businesses there had left out their bags. Of course. And you'd see either Panda or Key Waste mm-hmm. livery on it. And um, the, the bags were very quickly. The, the gulls the gulls get at them. The seagulls very in good.
0: Dublin like pterodactyls. The They're huge. The place
2: was strewn. Mm. And during that, I was just standing looking at it. And during that time, two, two bin lorries of different companies whose bags were on the ground, drove down Capel Street and just left it.
0: You know, because... So they're under no obligation, even though their big sticker is on the bag, Once it's ripped even though open, the company has paid for yeah, them to lift that It becomes, bag. It becomes litter.
2: Lit- yeah, it becomes litter. And then it's the as I say, the council worker or the the Dublin town uh, staff.
1: And there's no way Dublin City Council street cleaners should be cleaning that up. Yeah. Of course I mean, they, they know, did,
2: because the next morning, so that was about half past nine on a Monday night. And the next morning uh, I was there at, uh, I'd say about half past eight, It was pristine.
1: Yeah, but I mean, these companies are making a lot of money and Dublin City Council is cleaning up some Mm. of their mess. Mm. Yeah.
0: Now, you talked about the council uh, meeting there, Olivia. As Dublin editor, you report a lot and very regularly. And I think the Irish Times is probably one of the rare media outlets that does report on on council meetings. Um, You know, what do councillors say? They're paid public representatives. They're supposed to be the public's voice in Dublin. What do they say?
2: Well, I was, I was about to say to Una we should have her running soon. It's the, the local elections coming <laughs> around in no time at all. But, uh, yeah, no, they all do get up on their high horse mm. about this and and they'll they'll fight for their particular areas. Now, a lot of the time, there are some councillors who have a particular interest in the city centre and who'll come out on this. And Mannix Flynn is, is certainly one of them. If if you see the braise, "monkey dirty, printed mm. anywhere, you can be sure it'll have Mannix Flynn's name next yeah. to it. But then a lot of the other councillors are more focused on their own residential areas. Yes. Now, they do have problems and particularly a residential area that might have a, you know, a a sort of a social hub part of it. I'm thinking maybe Portobello and and around the canal there. It's a residential area, but it also has bars and restaurants. And they got particularly hard going over during the pandemic where people flocked to the canal, particularly in, in good weather. And the rubbish there was just, it was, it was horrific. And what happened then? And, and well, you know, the councillors would have, the, there would have been pieces in the media, the councillors would have gone to the media, but they would have also gone to the council management. And, um, you know, it 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 did get a bit more focus in the clean-up. There's an issue I have there. It's all the focus is always on the clean-up, on the staff, on, on the, you know... Yes. We have to have some sort of personal responsibility here as well, though, I think. Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, I was, you see, so much of this, I suppose, in some sense is is anecdotal. But I I was talking to somebody who regularly comes into work at 6am in the morning into town, into the city centre, down Camden Street. And they Mm -hmm. said the sites on Camden Street is carnage at that hour of the morning. Mm -hmm. And there are workers trying to clean up. And you think you wouldn't be one of those workers for anything because what they are faced with. And, you know, you have business owners opening up their shops and their offices and they're cleaning really ex- all manner out out of their doorways. Mm. And the council didn't put all that stuff there. What does it say about us that we so readily filth up the city? I mean, look, there aren't enough bins in the city, mm. which is another issue. You know, they've been kind of... Yes, for your piece, you, you, you looked into the bin numbers. Yeah, what, what did so you I find think there?
1: They, you, there were in 2008, there were 5,000. Now there's like between... 3,200 around. And what's the theory for that? Well, they were removed um, because of quote-unquote underuse. Um, underuse. Yes, yeah, so in certain areas obviously that's probably like over-collection as well or collecting at the wrong times but the capacity of bins has increased as well in terms of their actual size so everybody will be familiar with the kind of the big belly type bins mm-hmm. that you pull down. And
2: the council would say that it is in the last couple of years increasing the the number of, of bins again Oh really okay yeah. and why are they yeah. saying they're
0: doing that why like what's the thinking just, if they were so adamant before that just
2: well am where are they so adamant before I don't know it, it's just I think they they did now, whatever they might say, the reason is when uh, waste, domestic waste collection charges came in and when private companies came in, there was a fear whether, how real it was, I'm not sure, that everyone would just take their their domestic waste down to their local litter bin and put it in. Now, if you saw the the style of litter bins that we had there, um, had then, and we have many of them now, they're small with small mm. openings. You know, what, what we do need our bigger bins, but again, with small openings, so people can't do that. So I don't know how great a problem that was, but mm. I think that was largely behind it. Now, there are more litter bins in the city, but again, the council says things that are just, to me, unrealistic. Like, they say stuff like, oh, we've, we have our litter bins, there, and they are regularly emptied, and they say, but if the bin is full, bring your waste home. Okay. Now, some people will do that, mm. And other people will just go, no, I'm not I'm not going home. I'm going to this or I'm going to that. Mm. You know, it's not a realistic thing to say to the population as a whole. So
0: that speaks to not enough regular collection
2: then, doesn't it? In some areas. You know, I, I think, you know, I was walking the streets in the last few days on Grafton Street, which would have some of the highest footfall in the city. I don't think there's
0: a bin. Is there a bin on
2: Grafton Street? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of bins. But they're, um, and they were, they were being regularly emptied. They weren't overflowing. You'll always know, you'll see it from a distance because there'd be stuff on top of the bin, Mm -hmm. you know, and Grafton Street and O'Connell Street. uh, The, all the bins had you know had room to put stuff in them but what i'd say is the council is fighting a losing battle particularly with o'connell street as in there would be sweepers there all day long but there's people dropping litter there in front all of them day just long. yeah yeah in front in front of me it's sometimes so i don't know if degrading is the right word but disrespectful you, you'll see people just drop things in front of a man who has a sweeping brush because the man has a sweeping brush and they know he'll just pick them up even if they're a few meters from a bin
0: I'll be back after this short break with Olivia Kelly and Una Mullally. Una, do you think that the council is being realistic in its approach to cleaning Dublin streets?
1: Realistic is the word, though, when it comes to the council, like Mm -hmm. attitude and calms and how You're right, like Olivia, they don't do themselves any particular favours and going well, you know, it's the weather, it's the outdoor dining or it's the increase in tourism like, this is a city and you have to provide the services and clean up and amenities and waste collection all that kind of stuff. Yes, privatisation has very clearly hurt um, the the cleanliness of the city in, in multiple kind of different ways, but how is that then actually being tackled? Like, you go to another city and it's very obvious that there are more bins than there are in Dublin. You can frequently turn around 360 in Dublin city centre and not see another bin. That shouldn't be the case in a built up urban area with loads of hospitality and loads of, you know, footfall. Mm. So, like, it's that aspect of the head in the sand thing. Well, you know, we're, we're um, you know, we, it, we're maintaining, I think one of the things they said that they're, you know, extra resources in order to maintain a clean and litter free city. Dublin is not clean and litter free. You have to speak to reality, Mm -hmm. and and being defensive or telling businesses that they as they did this week, you know, to pull on the green or the blue jersey (laughs) and clean in front of your your shop or like that would drive people up the wall because they paid for rates twice, as you say, they paid for rates twice. And also in terms of Dublin town and the work that they do, they're not obligated to do that. That's a that's a a, mm. a thing that they're that they're doing with four people in two vans during the week and and two more at the weekend. Well, you Although you, I'd
2: say people would get sick of them fairly quickly if they weren't doing that. Correct. Because yeah. I think that's one of the the reasons that people will there's there's a plebiscite to to. Um, every few years to continue Dublin Town and I think if they weren't doing the litter and they weren't doing the graffiti people businesses say, for? businesses would mm. say yeah, oh, we're not paying for them. They
1: yeah. are filling a hole there that yeah. um, with, OK, there's 500 people in, in kind of street cleaning and waste stuff in Dublin City Council. They say that there's up to 100 street cleaners um, mm. um, in the city. Is that enough? Probably not. So there's, there's a bit of realism that needs to drop in with the council because being reactive um instead of proactive being defensive and speaking to something that is just not the case really annoys people and a lot of this is actually about perception you know and, and the perception that people have of the city because of how it failed during the pandemic and so on is just being hurt and hurt and hurt again and you know, sometimes I I do feel for the council in a way because people have a negative attitude uh, towards it as an entity sometimes, and towards the executive. Um, obviously, Anne Keegan is is leaving in September, so he's who is he now? He is the chief executive of Dum City Council. Yeah, he's the boss. Um, so maybe there will be a cultural change there. I don't know if that is going to happen. But the other thing, can I just say, of just about people's attitude towards the city? The pandemic has a lot to do with this in more ways than one in that pe- fewer people are working in the city centre and we all know the impact of that in loads of different ways. But one of the things that it does is that it gives you perspective. So if you're only going into Dublin City Centre for like one or two days a week in the office, you're not inured to the general crime and you come back in from wherever you live, probably in the suburbs or something like that, you get off the train at, a, at you know Connolly Station or... Tara Street or Pierce or whatever, let's face it, a lot of the time, the immediate uh, exit is covered in piss. Mm. You know, I hate to be blunt, but that's what it is. Um, with loads of rubbish and all that kind of stuff, you know, you, you, you get off the bus or whatever, the smell hits you and you go, oh, my God, because you're not in it every day. Yeah,
0: yeah. But do you think you talk about realism there? Do you think that there's sort of an acknowledgement and you say that Dublin City Council does have a hard job. But of course it does, because Dublin fundamentally now is a tourist town. You know what, Livy? you probably know the figures, something like five million people come into Dublin a year. There's something huge. It's massive. Mm. It's, it's the population of the whole country uh, come into Dublin. Like So the City Council has a huge task. And th- by the way, none of these people are paying tourist tax. So they're just here. Um, so does the Council not have just a massive task trying to manage a city where the numbers swell so greatly. It's their job.
2: Yeah, and they don't adapt quickly enough. So as Una was saying, the pandemic saw a big change as in people, you know, maybe not coming into work in the city as much and and, and getting that feeling of Jesus, the state of the place when they get off train. But the other change it saw was uh, people more inclined towards outdoor dining. That hasn't gone away with, I think people thought it would. I think people thought, well, people are only shivering outside now because they can't go inside. But I think people have liked it. So I think that that is a big factor now. People, there's a greater push towards pedestrianisation or traffic-free streets in the city. And with that, the associated outdoor dining. That has happened. It's happened over a three-year period, but the council doesn't, seem to have reacted. It it has put in some of the infrastructure, but in terms of the looking after the street around that, looking after the, the cleanliness and the litter... I'm not sure it's reacted fast enough to that.
1: It makes people feel as well that the city is very behind the times. Mm. You know, infrastructurally, in terms of amenities, in terms of the public realm, in terms of outdoor dining, all that kind of stuff. And you get these basic, basic this cycle of different like battles, people having to fight for the pedestrianisation of mm. Capel, Capel Street. Big hoo ha this week over uh, the outdoor space of Street 66, which is an LGBT bar on Parliament Street, their loading bay. Getting their furniture license refused, and the council arriving first thing Monday morning and putting a bike rack that nobody needs. Yeah, that was that was a, a, that was a very
2: hostile act, I have to say. Right. And, so and who who knew bike racks could be used in a in a in a, in a offensive hostile yeah, way? where it's
1: clear that par- uh, Parliament Street should be pedestrianised. Yeah. So there is a sense which is often proven by this kind of behaviour or people's uh, experiences that there is kind of an antagonistic uh, attitude that the council often has uh, towards the city. And that kind of thing just makes pe- it makes people more inclined to give out. It makes people more int- inclined to kind of rail against the council. And of course, people are w- well-traveled, you know, and they look around and go, well, why can't we have nice things? Why can't we have this kind of stuff that we have in, you know, Lisbon or Berlin or Barcelona or wherever. Um, but there does need to be, the, the waste collection stuff in terms of the privatisation, the street cleaning, it is very old fashioned. If you look at somewhere like Liverpool, they trialled these underground super bins in, in the city, which the bins are literally submerged uh, below the pavement, which means that there's no litter above it, there's no vermin, there's no seagulls, yeah. the businesses put them in that's, there.
2: That's a thing they've had in, in Sweden for you, I can remember visiting them on a, on a, a trip there, you know, Nearly 20 years ago, I'd say. And yeah, they're, they're great things. I don't know if they're the same ones, but they pe- people have a code, the businesses they or the residents, they rise up out of the ground. So it's you putting your litter in because you're putting in a code and everyone knows that's your litter and that's how you pay for it. And it goes back again under the ground. Right, it. Same in France, yeah. even the most rural villages. You know? yeah. So
0: at council level, when you're at these meetings, do you hear them talking about these alternate suggestions?
2: That one in particular, no, I happened. You so know, when why? they're when they start to wonder why. Yeah, because they do talk about solutions to the bags because obviously, as a the Cable Street example illustrates, it's a real problem. Um Their solutions to the bags have always been sort of like collapsible bins or, you know, things like that, things, covers for the bags or that. I don't know, is it maybe very expensive? to put in those other other type Mm. of bins. Or maybe a very
0: old city, I don't know. Well, I'm conscious that we're talking about Dublin, capital city, and that listeners from, you know, around the country may not have heard or know too much about some of the roads we've mentioned. But I think everybody will have heard about Temple Bar, which is, of course... You know, it's a tourist mecca. I think Dubliners would swerve really hard not to go in there. But um, what's the story with the the cleaning of Temple Bar? What happens there? Well, I actually cycled around Temple
1: Bar yesterday and today. And Temple Bar is clean.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the same (laughs) thing. I was waiting to hear what you'd say because I was going to say, actually, I thought it was quite clean. Temple Bar is quite clean a lot of the time. That would be the Temple Bar Company is another entity, you know, similar not the same setup as Dublin town but a similar sort of thing they look after the place reasonably well the council also uh, has a role there and D- Dublin town does as well so it's you know it has it has and and as well you know the council is concentrating on those areas of high pedestrian footfall um so it's uh, yeah it's not in bad nick now it was yesterday. Did you say Una? You mm-hmm. were there, and I was there the day before, and we're we're talking about weekdays. You know, you don't want to be there, as you say, yeah. any Dubliner giving a swerve on a Saturday night, Friday night, or yeah. probably Thursday and, there's, and Sunday. Too. There's
1: huge issues on the Aston Key part of Temple Bar and the laneways behind it. So that's kind of the south, the south keys, um, and in terms of drug dealing, mm-hmm. I was just cycled by there. Uh, Just before I I came in, um, came in here, again, drug dealers on the corner, the lane behind it, um, you know, people... Go to the bathroom in that in that laneway. There's a lot of drug use, very little police presence. It's quite a violent part of the city. Uh, there's been multiple kind of quite serious attacks there um, in, in recent weeks and months. So there's aspects of Temple Bar in the core of Temple Bar. It's quite clean. Mm. Around the fringes, there are very kind of specific geographical issues. Yeah, um, and but
2: it's more as in it says more serious crime. Yeah. than just litter. You know, mm. litter is not the issue there. It's you know assaults. Well, now,
0: to finish up, uh, the rain is forecast. So Dublin, the, the, the people down in City Hall will be looking at their window there thinking, phew, um, so they'll be hopeful now that things will be a bit cleaner next week. Are you hopeful at all, Una, after your piece and after the response to it? I mean,
1: hope, it's kind mm. of the th- the thing that kills you, isn't it? I mean, I think that, I don't know, maybe it's because it's on my mind so much and I kind of became obsessed with, you know, the frequency of different cleaning ships and all that kind of stuff in the last two days i have noticed there seems to be like kind of an abundance of street sweeping going on the council have said that they will now put more resources behind this because of this whole discourse uh, over the last while um that was t- they were talking about that at the meeting on monday no way, i believe yeah. as well so yeah i guess that they're kind of yeah acknowledging the fact a little bit it just feels that time and time again why is this so reactive? Why can't there be actually a broader vision and why is there such a kind of reluctance, a kind of arm's length defensiveness um, that's going on with uh, so many aspects of the city? Dublin is in a lot of trouble and it's going to be be in increasing trouble um, with regards to the issue around commercial property and office vacancy and the impact, the ongoing impact that that is having. Really, you know, I feel that it's about a cultural change within the council. It's about a vision for the city that is ambitious, um, that brings people that, who live and visit and work in the city with the council um, instead of this people being like, you know, it's Dubliners versus the council. You know, that depends. A lot of that comes from the top, um, you know, and Owen Keegan, the, the the head of Dumbsea Council, has come in for a lot of um, criticism, you know, I personally think that that criticism is justified whether his successor uh, comes from that same pool that's been working alongside him and with him for the past decade whether somebody else is brought in who actually addresses things in a more radical manner um, you know we won't we won't know because now we're going into in September a nine month procurement uh, process where Richard Shakespeare who is Owen Keegan's deputy will be Filling in uh, until the new uh, the new boss uh, comes in, so it's kind of about that. What is the vision for the
0: city? Una, does the government get off lightly in all of this? They just pass
1: everything, you know, onto the the council, you know. And there's there's you don't really hear government politicians talking about uh, the issues in the city, um, even uh, you know politicians that are city centre politicians like Mary Lou McDonald. Um, so I wonder whether, you know, Dublin as a place uh, that needs to be vastly improved and really is kind of being left behind at a European le- level in terms of other capital cities, whether that may become uh, an issue uh, in, the, in the general election. I kind of feel like it did. It definitely did in the Dublin Bay South by South by-election in 21. So, you know, I think that that's the, the issue of Dublin, its functionality, the state of it, good, bad... Um, and all of the other ancillary issues that are encapsulated in the ca- capital from, the, you know, the commercial property crash that's coming down the line or housing, obviously, um, and, and poverty and things like that. I, you know, I think that the issue of Dublin uh, will probably just increase and we're kind of just peeling little bits off of it. But there is dissatisfaction with how the city is functioning.
0: Una Malai, thanks very much. And Olivia Kelly, thanks for coming in and safe cycling home, both of you. That's it for today. For more opinion and analysis, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by John Casey. In the news, we'll be back soon.